right, everybody, welcome to this week's Learning the Tropes. I'm Erin. I'm Clayton. And I'm your romance level veteran. And I'm the Virgin. And we're your hosts. Hi, Clayton. Hello, Erin. How's it going? Good. It feels like it's been forever. Was, I know. Was our last book really Morning Glory? Yeah, which is wild. Yeah. Seems like a lifetime ago. It does. We were so young then. <laughs> mm-hmm. I know we've traveled to L.A. since then. I mean, we've talked to you guys since then. But um, it is funny because I was thinking, you know, yesterday or something about how you know, Sarah and Jen at Faded Mates do, like, seasons, you know? And so they mm-hmm. take breaks for a little while. And I'm like, what would that be like? I feel like we would miss you guys too much because we take one week off and we're, like, getting a little lonely. Yeah, I agree. I think it's it's one of those things where I do, I do miss the feedback and just the conversation about the books, I think. Yeah. And it's nice to always have, I mean, it's always nice to check in with you. I, before we started recording, we hadn't talked in <laughs> in two weeks. And so we just ended up talking for a half hour just to like catch up. So it's like, I like obviously having time to chat with you. And then also it's great to, um, yeah, to like read a book and digest the thoughts on the book and everything. So we're happy to be back. See, the thing... The thing that I I appreciate about our podcast, and it's just because I edit it, but other podcasts would have just recorded that conversation that we had Mm -hmm. and left it at the beginning of their podcast. And then I would have to fast forward a half an hour to get to what the actual podcast is supposed to be about, which is about reading a romance novel. (laughs) I'm not talking about romance podcasts no. at all. I'm talking about just like general podcasts that I find where I'll be like, oh, this is an interesting subject for a podcast. I want to check it out. And then 45 minutes in, they're talking about traffic. They're talking about some comedy clubs that they used to do. They're talking about a friend that I've never heard of. Uh, it's it's just bad podcasting, people. It's bad podcasting. <laughs> Well, our conversation was about you getting a new roommate, uh, the war in Serbia in the 90s. Yes. Uh, me. Oh, I'm sick, guys. In case I sound different, I it's not COVID. I took a test. I just have uh, my friend and her baby came to stay with us last week and her baby coughed directly into my mouth. Oh, that's cool. And gave me baby's first cold. So... Oh, yeah. That's sweet. I mean, it is kind of exciting, his first cold. But, you know, uh, so that's why I, I sound like this. Let's do, let's get to what we came here for. Well, before we do that, actually, <laughs> we did. Ha- we do have two new patrons that we'd like to shout out. Yes. And we'd like to say thank you to Sarah Brackman. Thank you so much. And Rebecca Perry. Thank you so much. Our latest patrons. So we love all our patrons. Yeah, thank you so much. We're going to have some stuff coming soon. Things have been getting in the way, but uh, we'll hopefully have some stuff for you special on there in April. Yes. Um, All right, Clayton. So what uh, book did we read this week? Oh, my goodness. So we read a book from 2021, The Hellions Waltz, Feminine Pursuits Number 3 by Olivia Waite. 
Wait or what? Wait. I would say wait, but, you know. Yeah. Wait. So, I guess I'm leading this episode. You're Do you want to judge this cover? Job. Yeah. Uh, I, th- I think this is an absolutely gorgeous cover. So, this is a WLW book. Um, and so, it's our heroines are on the cover. They don't look like the way that they're described in the book. But, no. you know... They're both wearing beautiful dresses. It's all blue. And then the title and Olivia's uh, name is in like a really like a hot pink. Um, And the Mm -hmm. women are in kind of a clinch. Like they're grabbing at each other's dresses. I this cover is striking. I mean, this cover is literally why we're reading the book, because you saw it on the table. I love how they're looking at each other. Mm -hmm. One looks very mischievous. One looks very serious. The mischievous one, I'm assuming, is Maddie, and the serious one, I'm assuming, is Sophie. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it's just striking the way they're looking at each other. This actually was, we, uh, if for people who don't listen to Minisodes, we went to the Rip Bodice in LA, and I picked a book, and this was actually on a recommendation shelf. And so there was a little blurb that someone that worked there had written about it and it sounded interesting and then the cover also like you said was very striking so we grabbed uh, a copy for each of us and it's just so nice to read a physical book yeah you know i read so much faster when i have the physical copy i feel like do you yeah i don't know what it is it's something about I I can't explain it right now, but I felt like this book also was very slight Mm -hmm. and not very long. But I feel like I've read – it was like 250 pages or so. I feel like I've read 250-page books on Kindle that felt like an eternity. And this one kind of buzzed by. Yeah. Where did you read it? Were you like out in the park or anything? Any fun like reading locales? No, I, I, you know, because there's been work going on at my apartment. Mm-hmm. So I've been hanging in the apartment more than I usually do just to make sure in case the, uh, the, uh, the gentleman who's working in the apartment needs anything. And so I just read it in my room. Mm-hmm. Nice. Which is fine. Yeah. I mean, I, I was I wanted to go somewhere and read it, but I just didn't get a chance to. Well, Clayton, so what was this book about? Okay, so this book is about Sophie Rosengrave, who is a piano player, mm-hmm. and Maddie Crew, who is a cloth maker, who is the head of the a seam like a seamstress union. Mm-hmm. There's a name for it, but I can't remember what it is right now. It's like now. the Weavers Library or something. Yeah, yeah, Weavers. Yeah, yeah, and so. Sophie's father had been swindled before, and so she saw Maddie trying to swindle a guy, Mr. Giles, and she talks to her about it. She says, hey, I that's messed up, and then Maddie tells her, no, this guy screws screwed us over before and or screwed my mom over. Mm-hmm. And so I want revenge and I have this revenge plan. And then Sophie agrees to help and they fall in love. 
and everything works out for them, <laughs> basically. The, there's one little tiny bump in the road, but other than that, the scheme goes over perfectly, <laughs> and everybody lives happily ever after. So what did you think of the book? So, it was so slight. Like yeah. I said, and, and not even just slight in length, but slight in... You know, there was there was some conflict, but it never felt serious. Mm-hmm. They fall in love so quick and and they don't really run into any sort of and not that I want this, but as a WLW romance, they don't really run into any real pushback, which is great. I didn't necessarily want it, but that would be something that would cause some sort of friction and it and it didn't. And I will say I had very little interest in piano playing and Sophie's sort of story and her dad coming up with that way to teach piano that ended up not working and then him getting screwed and losing all his money. Like that, I I had very little interest in it. Mm -hmm. So it was difficult to get through those segments, I thought. But otherwise, I mean, it was fine it was just fine which is upsetting because we were just i was just on the troop and we were talking about oh bridgerton season two and a lot of the people on the troop were saying we're we're glad that you guys are now reading books that you really want to read and Mm -hmm. you love because when a book is just kind of meh it doesn't make for good conversation and we read this book and i was like Damn it. <laughs> this is a mad book for me. Yeah. And now I feel bad. Well, it's going to happen, you know, as we, because like we can even read a book that somebody else loves, or we can read a book that is supposed to be a classic and just like not connect with it. Like at any stage, yeah. we can just not connect with a book. And I think the thing is too, that hopefully by this stage of us doing this podcast, like people know, like we go into every book wanting to love the book. Like we, we don't hate read here. We only read hoping that it is like our next favorite book and nothing brings us more joy. So then mm-hmm. I think when a book doesn't connect with us, it's not that we're slamming it because we're like, oh, isn't it so fun to slam this book? I think we're like, here are the issues that we had with it. But now like the same disclaimer we always make, which is like, if if this book connected with you, that's fucking fantastic. And that's what these books are for. And not every book is going to be for everybody. And just because a book happened to not be for us doesn't mean that it wouldn't be for you. So, like, still, mm-hmm. if, if we're talking about the book and you're like, oh, the things that they don't like are things that I actually would like, then you probably will like this book and you should go buy it. So, um, but I, uh, I well, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, it, 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 with that said, yeah. what did you think of this book? I thought it was a perfectly fine book. And <laughs> here's the thing. And here's the issue that I feel like I keep having whenever we read MLM or WLM or WLW books is, like you said, I don't mean there to be external conflict, like people have an issue that they are together because of their genders. I don't really need that. I think there's definitely were, obviously there were gay people throughout history. There's always been gay people. And Mm -hmm. obviously there were people, gay people in families who were fine with it. So like, I don't mind that, but like there was no conflict in the relationship. And like, 
it is this strange like sanitization of these kinds of relationships that I find like a little bit frustrating. And now, to be fair, I have not read far and wide um, MLN, MLM and WLM books. So it's very possible that, I, that it just so WLW, happens. you mean, right? Yeah, whatever. You know what? I, everybody knows what I'm trying to say. <laughs> but it's like, it's very possible these books do exist. And I believe that they do exist. And for some reason, we just haven't come across them. So I'm only speaking about the books that we have read. Where I don't feel like there what there's ever very much tension within the relationship itself. Like at no point in this book for even a breath did I feel that Sophie and Maddie wouldn't end up together. Externally, yes. internally. And I think the thing about the thing about romance that I love and I, what I think like the really great romances do is by these two people being together, they each affect the other person to push that person's life further in a positive direction that that couldn't happen without meeting this other person. But I just feel like with this book, I don't feel like Maddie or Sophie were changed by knowing the other person. Because... I guess we're supposed to think that, like, Sophie is a little bit meek. I don't understand how her interacting with Maddie, like, changes that other than, like, she's more confident sexually. But quite frankly, like, both of these women seemed very, like, confident sexually when they came together for the first time. Which, again, I don't need somebody to be, like, a blushing virgin and someone to be, like, a cad. Like, I'm I'm happy that they both have sexual experience and know what they like and are able to express that. But... I needed there to be something and the, there was just nothing to grip your teeth in. Like you said, it was just kind of like, here are the plans and everything goes exactly according to plan. And there's no, like, they don't disagree about anything. They don't, uh, there's not like some fundamental flaw that each of them has that makes it difficult for them to be together. You know what I mean? It it, it just, so while I enjoyed the experience of reading this book, like you said, it's like, it's not a very long book. You'll probably finish it in the afternoon. It's enjoyable. Like the characters are nice. It's like a, just a nice place to hang out for a few hours, but it's not like if somebody is like, Oh, what, like what great romance have you read? Or like recommend me one. You know what I mean? It it would be hard to, to say this one. I just don't. Yeah. Well, in, on the topic of moving each other forward, it felt more along the lines of Maddie pushing Sophie mm-hmm. because Sophie ended up playing again, writing the Hellions Waltz for Maddie. But she didn't really change Maddie in any way. Sophie didn't really seem to affect her in any serious way because – Sophie's whole conflict with Maddie is that she's running a con and they her father and her had a con run on them and she that's a soft spot. Yeah. But then she's so easily swayed to run this con. Yes. On Mr. Giles or Giles, I guess. Uh, whatever you want to say. Say it the right way, I'll say it the wrong way for sure. But that seemed to me like Sophie was a very malleable character 
And it wasn't a, I'm going to make you better, I'm going to make you better. It was, Maddie's going to make Sophie do what Maddie wants her to do, and therefore Sophie becomes better, but it never seems to be the point of it. And I, I think that, again, with the conflict, I didn't want it to be external. I didn't even need it to be internal in the sense of anything about their sexuality, but there dis- there needed to be something inside them that was keeping them from connecting at least for a little bit. Right. And that's just in my and like uh, that's just our opinion. That's just what we like, right? There might be people who read this book and are like, "I'm so glad finally two characters that aren't angsty." Yeah, And it's like, I think we both like a little bit of angst. I don't like too much angst, but I like enough. And it's, again, it's this thing. It's There's just an alchemy to a great romance. And a lot of times we try to put our finger on it. And a lot of the things that we could say about this book that we didn't like in other books we said we did like, it's just so hard, right? Because when it just doesn't click, it doesn't click. And... This one just didn't click. Yes. Well, I do think like you need for a like I I do think for like a romance to be compelling, you need to think at some stage in the book, oh, are these two going to get together? And that's the part of like the HEA that is exciting because you're like, how are they going to pull this off? Or how are they going to work past whatever this issue is? You know, but I guess if Mm -hmm. you want like a zero angst book. If you want just like a fluff and utter sandwich of a book, this is your book. It's great. And then it's not that it's like poorly written or anything like that. Cause like, not at all. No, it's like obviously like, and I would be down to read more Olivia Waite. Like, I would be happy to, but cause like obviously she's a talented writer, but it just is like, this wasn't the story, you know? I, I thought she was a really good writer. And that was the thing is that the, it, it float. I mean, Again, I've said this before that I I always would laugh when someone says a book is readable Mm -hmm. as a compliment. I mean, this is highly readable. This is a really well-written book. And I agree. I would read another one of her books uh, and give it a try. But the other thing that kind of – it didn't bump me but I didn't have much interest in is like the whole con of selling this guy this color-changing fabric – and they went into this long explanation of how they were going to do it and all. And I, I really was I, – I, I just felt like I just don't care, yeah. unfortunately. And then the only bump in their plan was they just wanted to sell this fabric and this machine and thought that he'd just buy it and try to sell it really fast – uh, uh, get a quick buck, but then he wanted to know the process. So then they had to figure out how to fake the process. And that was the only bump in the road. And then they ended up making more money off of that than they would have before. So it actually worked out. And listen, I love that they won and I love that this guy got his comeuppance, but it there was just not, it wasn't incredibly satisfying to me because it didn't seem like they had to overcome a lot of obstacles to get there. And it's also just confusing. Because so, <laughs> the thing is, it's like she picked two things that are like very visual. 
or that are like mm-hmm. one, which is weaving, which is very visual, and then piano playing, which is like auditory. These are two things I can't experience in the book. And so it's really that it's like just a lot of explanation. So it's a lot of explanation of like just the weaving, like the simple weaving things, which is like, I don't know a ton about weaving. So I was a lost a little. And then you bring in a new invention about magical weaving. And we spend so much time on the con and explaining the intricacies of all of this that I'm just like, I don't know. And I I do. Mm -hmm. We've talked before, I think, about authors. And I think Anna Geary is one who does a really amazing job at it. Where, and Ruby Dixon too, this isn't just like alien author specific, but those are the two I thought of first. It's like, there's a level of like, I don't need to know. Like, I want the author to know. I don't need to know. You know what I mean? Yes. And so I think sometimes authors are like, oh, I've, I've, I've figured out how it all works and I see it in my mind. And so that's something that the reader needs to know. And I, I'm telling you, I don't. Like, I need enough yeah. that I'm not, like, scratching my head, like, what, like, this this magical thing happened. But just to, like, I just need, like, the littlest bit to just be like, okay, that's, like, that's the explanation. Uh, yeah, and I'm not saying that this is how this author was thinking. No. but we don't know. You're right, sometimes, sometimes they think, I thought of this really clever thing, and I want to explain it because I'm proud of myself for coming up with this. Yeah. And the reader's thinking, why is this six, seven pages? Because I guess it's cool that you came up with that, but it's really impeding what I want in this, which is character development. Yes. Some sort of angst or some sort of barrier that the two heroines have to get over Mm -hmm. and i do think that that is sometimes an author can get really excited about their ideas and that's great because it's great when you have ideas ideas are magical but sometimes you have to throw them aside because they don't work within the narrative exactly yeah listen we're i i would find it very difficult to resist that impulse as well but I, mm-hmm. but I do think that is a little bit of what this book suffered from was like over because it's basically it's like, oh, he thinks the cloth changes colors. Oh, the way that they show that that happens is they just do like a sleight of hand trick. Okay, great, cool. That's about the info I need. Yeah, yeah just say it's mirrors. Like the the <laughs> thing about the light, the thing about the light changing made sense to me, and I was like, that's great. Just say it's mirrors and different forms of light bouncing off that create these colors and they're they appear to be a different color but they're not actually that color yeah great perfect that took a paragraph yeah so i mean that's nitpicky because some other people might read this and be like wow i think it's really cool how they did that and 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 i'm like can we get to the fingering (laughs) listen the sex in this book great yeah. No knocks on the se- Like, all of the sex was fantastic. Like, I did it's, it's feel... It's good to have a little sapphic action once in a while. Yeah, listen. Everybody loves it. And I... And, like, what is well done is, like, them together, I see them as a couple. You know? Mm-hmm. Their chemistry, like, their their sexual chemistry is great, but just, like, them interacting with each other, I get, like, oh, these are two people who should be together. Which I do think is really, really, obviously, is pretty fundamental to a romance. And definitely is not always done well. And there are definitely people where, like, we've definitely read books where I'm like, these two main characters could 
never see each other again, and I don't think they would care. Like, in this book, Mm -hmm. I, you know, I think they were together for the rest of their lives. Like, their their chemistry and who they were together, I I thought that was done really well. And the sex is all done really well. And it is fun, too, that they were able to just, like, have as much sex as they wanted because they're two women, and they could just be like, uh, yeah, she's just my friend. <laughs> and then they yeah. would just, like, fuck all night. I think that's fantastic. And I love it. And there was not that the sexual, like, oh, he's a man and I can't be alone with him. And so we have to, like, sneak and have to have a kiss. I was like, this is just great. Like, just, like, get down to the fucking, which is great. Yeah, because back then, and I still think now, yeah. uh, most men, when women hang out, they're like, oh, sure, go for it. Whatever. <laughs> right. I read somewhere that... um they tried in England, I think, in the 20s to outlaw, like, you know, women having sex with each other. But none of the lawmakers could figure out how it would happen. So they didn't know how to outlaw it. Which is just <laughs> Yeah, they, they couldn't. <laughs> they couldn't dummies. actually write out a description of what it was. <laughs> They're like, how do women have sex? I guess we can't outlaw it because I guess it doesn't happen. It's like, you silly, silly. You silly, silly assholes. <laughs> Well, so here's the big question then. Would we fuck them? Yes. Both? Yeah. Listen, they both knew what they were doing. They both sounded hot. I mean, I do think if you're getting fingered, you could do a lot worse than a piano player or a weaver for Mm. that sake. Like those are two women who have like very dexterous fingers. And I think that's great. Yeah, I would, I would, mm-hmm. I would fuck them both, but I doubt they'd have as much enthusiasm about it. I feel like they'd be okay with it, but they would rather be with somebody else. So, <laughs> well, they're both bisexual. So, yeah, they both, have, but I think their passion is more towards the feminine. Maybe, like yeah. the sex would could be good, but it just wouldn't be as passionate as if I were a woman. I feel like, yeah. I do love when we're in Sophie's mind towards the beginning of the book and she's like looking around. She's like, man, like humans are just attractive. Like, all over, look at all these people. I sleep with most of them. And then we find out also, yeah, I mean, there's a, like a B story that basically Maddie's mother, her ex-girlfriend was sent to the colonies and came back and she's the one running the con. Mrs. Money, a.k.a. Jenny Hull. Yeah, Mooney. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. So the, I, mean, I thought that's it was Mrs. Money. I th- M-O-N-E-Y. Yeah. They say how to pronounce it's money, it in right? the book. They say Mooney? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe I made that up. Listen, I've been delirious these past few days, so who knows what's, what's actually happening. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like if you just went through with like a red pen, like you could get a really great book out of this. You know, I just think we needed less mm-hmm. of the con. But I, but Sarah McLean, again, from Fate of Mates and all of you and author of all of your favorite romance novels. She always talks about she doesn't like she doesn't do spies. And I'm like, I think I think I don't do spies either. And I think yeah. the idea of these cons, I think, always sounds really interesting in theory. If I'm like a con like a con man or woman um, main character. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's fun. That's like kind of like sexy and dangerous. And then every time I read it and I'm like, I'm confused. I don't know how this is supposed to work. What am I supposed to be rooting for? So. 
you know. I kind of agree. I I do because that's why in the minisode I was talking about one of the things that that stuck out to me to want to read this was con and heist and mm-hmm. those words being used. And then I'm the same way. I'm like, I don't need you to describe to me the con. Yeah. And I don't really care about the heist. <laughs> so <laughs> I guess I just like the way those words look yeah. or the idea of that sort of person. But when it's actually written out, I find it not interesting. Yeah, I have a hard time with it. So I agree because we were just also one of the things we're talking about before the podcast that we cut out because it would have been boring was how much both of us dislike James Bond. Mm -hmm. And James Bond is exactly that issue is that he's just a boring dude. And then the villain is also a boring dude who has a boring plan Mm -hmm. to take over the world. And it's just also boring. Yeah. You know. So why would I like this if I don't like Bond? I don't know. Listen. Yeah. But that's it, guys. I mean, not a ton. And then, so should we do Goodreads list? We got to. These are segments that are written in stone. Well, listen, I was very fearful today when I was doing my show notes. And Goodreads did a whole, like, update. And now their entire page is different. Don't love it. And could not for the Uh-oh. life of me find the list. Finally, I did. They're all the way at the bottom. They look like ads and not lists, so it was very confusing. I don't like that. No, I don't like it at all. But anyway, so I did find them. So it was on a bunch of lists that were just kind of like, you know, anticipated books and things like that. Um, So there's only a few lists that I would say are, like, worth talking about. So the first one is Regency Victorian and, and Edwardian Women Loving Women. Yes. Around the World with Lesbians. I just like that. What? I just like that. I think it's just like books from around the world featuring lesbians. Well, uh, maybe, I mean, didn't, uh, did any of these characters travel at, at all? No, but I, I think mean, I they probably they, like they... have books for set in different places and this one is set in England. Oh, okay. You know? That makes sense then. Um, best sapphic historical fiction. I can't speak to that yeah. because we have not read enough of it. Yes, and we definitely need to read more. Yeah. Uh, just like gay romance in general. Um, mm-hmm. Because, yeah. And that maybe that's a great thing. If you guys know of any, like, gay books where you feel like, gay books like gay romance novels that where the the main couple like has like a big obstacle to overcome between the two that isn't necessarily that isn't their sexuality isn't their sexuality but is just like even if it's like one's very neat and one's very messy and so how are they going to live together you know so you want an odd couple Slash fiction is what you want. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, just like something. Something that is like their personalities are different. How will they get together? What if Oscar and Felix fucked? They did. That's a a show about a gay couple. Um, All right, Clayton, what are your tropes? Well, women, loving women, pianist heroine, Mm -hmm. silk-weaving heroine, Con men and women, heists, concerts, because there was a piano concert, 
And uh, the the return of a, uh, a a big one from the beginning of this podcast, finger banging, <laughs> and unions, because pretty much that the the Weavers Library was kind of a union. Yes, this is a very pro union book, which I love because I am also pro union. So, Aaron, what are your tropes? So I have the same WLW wholesome romance because. I get, there is explicit <laughs> sex in this book, but it does feel very wholesome anyway. A heist, it does. Yeah, a heist. Artist in love. They're both artists. Um, both MCs are working class, which I appreciate. So this is a book both of them are like, neither is like a secret duchess or anything. Um, mm-hmm. Insta love. They basically, it was like love at first sight and everything was fine after that. Low angst. Collective action. Because like we said, the unions. Um, and then Robin Hood, because uh, Maddie's a bit like a Robin Hood. Her whole thing, the reason that they were swindling this guy to get all this money was to have more money for their union. And so they could, you know, assist weavers and help them to kind of try to stay independent in the face of um, increasing industrialization, which is a worthy cause. Yeah. So. Cool. Yeah, that's it. Any last thoughts about the Helian's Waltz, the Hellion's Waltz? No. Okay. What has you swooning this week? Well, I'm swooning about a TV show. Wow. Which I rarely do, and I know you love TV, and I know this is a, a show that you watch. I'm swooning about The Minx <gasps> on HBO Max. Did, did I swoon about that last time? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't remember. It's been so long, but I love I, the Minx. Minx is great. And pardon us if we if if we did swoon about this last time. We can swoon twice. But, it's so good. Keep swooning. Yeah, it's a show about a a woman trying to get a feminist magazine made, and no one will make it. This is in the seventies, and so she goes to this. Kind of, well, not kind of. He's a pornographer. Pornographer, yeah, played by Jack Johnson. Jake Johnson. Of Jake Johnson. I always screw that up. Uh, <laughs> Jack Johnson is the singer, uh, guy, the singer that wears no shoes. <laughs> uh, who was big in Hawaii when I lived there, and I never want to hear Jack Johnson ever again. But Jake, Jake Johnson, Johnson yeah. from from New Girl plays the pornographer, and. It's just a, you know, it's one of those, it feels like a kind of show that would have been on Netflix, It, but better, mm-hmm. you know, like it just, it, there's something about it that I like more. It's a, the, the whole group, you've got this um, photographer that is the, a gay man who's really fun and funny. And there's this kind of, and I don't, blonde she comes she's she would be termed a blonde bimbo back in the day mm-hmm. but she's actually a lot smarter and more wily than anybody gives her credit for there's the main woman who's kind of a what attracts me to her is that she's like a diane from cheers yeah where she's very educated and kind of uptight but then she starts to let loose mm-hmm. and i find that actress to be very captivating i actually have a sort of a little bit of a crush on her <laughs> i just think she does such a really good job and of course she's english oh she is and yeah and does like a perfect american accent 
but she's really great in it. It's great to see her kind of loosening up. And there, Je- uh, Jake Johnson and hers reporte is very fun. And they don't have any romantic uh, uh, aspirations for each other. He has aspirations for his secretary who he created the company with. She's and I amazing love that relationship. Too. Oh, I love and her. And she's great. Oh, she's so good. And so it's just a really good ensemble, half an hour episodes, nice. nothing like on Netflix this would have been 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. It, it, half an hour, that's all you need. They're so bite-sized and fun. So the Minx on HBO Max that's what has me swooning. The clothes are amazing. I want to wear every outfit in that show. Joyce's all oh, of they her gotta pants be so suits, everybody looks fucking fantastic that whole show. They got to be so uncomfortable though. Oh, it's, it's polyester. polyester. They ha- their skin hasn't breathed in the 6 months it took them to, to film this and I don't care. It's worth it. Rayon. And mm-hmm. uh I will say uh warning, there's a lot of penis in this show. Oh yes, yeah. so much so many dicks, so many dicks. You a and lot, somebody I, and warned it, me about it before I started watching and I was still unprepared for the volume. Yes, there's so many dicks, but you know what? There's breasts in it too, mm-hmm. and we've gotten so acclimated to seeing a lot of breasts on these pay cable channels or these streaming services and it's time for the rods to 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 get a uh, a fair a swing at it too. <laughs> So no pun intended. So now oh. men have to be, you know, men. It's one of those things. Women had always have to, as actors or actresses, always have to be like, you know, will I have to be topless? Will I be topless? And now men are going to think, well, will I have to be bottomless? Yeah. It's it's just something they're going to have to think about now. Yeah. Now, Aaron, what has you swooning? Well, I'm always a little bit swooning about Minx. I also I read the pilot and it's it's so good. It's amazing. Um. So I am swooning about the dropout, which is by another New Girl alum. Liz Merriweather is the showrunner, and she was the showrunner of New Girl. And um, it's the story of Elizabeth Holmes, which I think, like, at this stage, if you everybody kind of knows about, it's, like, so saturated. That story has so saturated the culture at this stage. But it is just really, really well done. And of all the scam shows, and there are so many now, and I've watched every one, and I will watch every other one that comes out. Um, it, I, I just think it's so interesting to have one that was showrun by a woman because I feel like the way that she is able to tell the story from a uniquely, like, female point of view... Um, it, it was a different spin on the story than I'd ever seen. And Amanda Seyfried is phenomenal and should get every award that's coming to her because she just does such a, a perfect job. And then Naveen Andrews from Lost, we all had a crush on him during Lost. <laughs> they didn't like ug him up as much as like they should have for Sonny Balwani, but they just basically gave him like a pregnancy belly and were like, that's enough. We need something for the girls to look at. Um, is is fantastic in it too and you know we Clayton and I have a similar experience we worked at a very toxic startup and so also like how good they got all of the little minutiae of what it is like to work at a place like that and we we didn't work at Theranos so we didn't work anywhere like that bad but Mm -hmm. there was enough there that I was like oh wow like it really does feel like it 
must have felt to work there. Um, and it's just really well done and really well acted. And it's over now. The last uh, the last episode has aired. And I thought the finale was also, like, phenomenal. So you can go binge it if you want. Um, but I would say it's if you're... If you are looking at all of the scam shows out right now and you're like, ah, I only really want to watch one, then make it the dropout. Nice. Yeah. Well, Aaron, mm-hmm. where can they find us? So don't forget to rate, review, and follow us on Apple Podcasts. Um, if you guys do get a chance to review us, we really appreciate it. It's how people find us. Um, like we said at the top, we have a Patreon. So if you go to patreon.com and search Learning the Tropes, you'll find us. Um, and you can join. We have some episodes there. We are adding episodes in the next few weeks and months, um, including watching Morning Glory with starring Christopher Reeve. So if that's something you're into, come join us over there. You also get a sticker after three months. Um, if you want to email us, you can email us at learningthetropespodcast at gmail.com. We are on Twitter at Learning Tropes, on Instagram at Learning the Tropes. We have our Facebook troop, uh, which is where uh, also we are working on that master list of biggie authors. So if you want to add a biggie author or go check out, try to um, find your next read, you can go there. And then finally, we also have merch linked below. I think that's nice. everything. That is everything. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thanks so much for joining us. And until next week, happy reading. Happy reading.